Welcome, everyone. My name is Bonfour Rhodes. I always forget to introduce myself. I'm the spiritual life director here at River Life. That means I'm in charge of spiritual growth, which includes life groups as well as leadership training and prayer and healing. So that's a lot of things to do. And we've got a lot of cover today. If you were here last week, we talked about how we could honor our parents even in the midst of disagreeing with them. Um, and this week, we're going to come back to, as our final session on fighting fair, how to disagree without destroying, we're going to come back to the marital relationship. So a lot of what I'm going to say today, I'm going to talk about husbands and wives. But you are going to be able to see that you can apply this to any relationship that you have. Okay. So in my experience in counseling, as well as just in talking to people, one thing that I've seen is that for couples where they fight a lot, they argue a lot, and they're very conflictual, there tends to be this conclusion that the spouses make. And, and most of them will say, I'm the good one. My partner, my spouse, is the bad guy. And they will even say, my partner is the one who is ruining my happiness, and they're the one destroying our marriage. Rarely will that person actually say, you know what, I'm pretty selfish, and I want things my way. And rarely will they take responsibility for some of the things that they do. It's always the other person's fault. They might say things like, um, she made me cuss at her and call her names. Or, he's the one who made me start texting other men. Or, she made me jealous, and that's why I'm out of control. And they might even say, I didn't want to, but he forced me to smash his PS4. I'm not the problem. My spouse is the, part, is the problem. And in most of these situations, it's really easy for one partner to view the other one as the enemy, as the one who is working against their happiness and destroying the marriage. And this is where people start saying, I have to rise up to the challenge of that rival, my enemy. So how in the world do two people who in the beginning couldn't keep their hands off each other and who couldn't wait to get married, end up across from each other saying, you're my enemy. How does that even happen? So today we're going to take a look at that, and we're going to look at many Bible verses that tell us what the root cause of arguments and fighting is all about. Now, the Bible has many things to say about how to get along with other people, and particularly other believers in Christ. I don't know why, but for some reason, most of us don't think about our spouse or even our kids when the Bible talks about other people. But I believe that we can learn a lot about how to treat each other in our marriage when we look at these passages. So we're going to be jumping around three different passages uh, between three different writers, James, Peter, and Paul, not Mary. Um, so hang in there with me. It doesn't matter if you get lost, kind of who is saying what. What's more important is that you listen 
to what the verses say. So we're going to start with the book of James. James was the brother of Jesus, and he was the, the leader of the Jerusalem church when, when the church first began. And James wrote this letter to the believers who were scattered all across the region. And he was particularly concerned about people who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ and how they were living out that faith. And for James, he wanted to tell us that among believers, there should not be arguing and fighting. And in case we thought it was okay, he is going to tell us what's at the root of it and what causes us to actually fight with each other. So look with me in James 3, verse 13 through 16. James says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. In chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, James continues by saying, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Okay, so you might be wondering, how does that apply to marriage? Well, let me tell you how I lived this out in my marriage. So I've spoken many times on how difficult Marriage was for Greg and me the first seven years. Yes, I did say seven. Although we did not have all-out drag-out fights, because we're both pretty civil people, we did have our share of disagreements and discussions about what I didn't like that Greg was doing. So I thought I was the one who knew what was best for us. I thought I was the one who was sacrificing the most in our relationship. I thought I was the one who was more spiritual. As you can see, I thought I was really wise. But deep in my heart, I was just concerned about me and what I wanted from Greg and from our relationship. I wanted what I wanted, and in the process, I did evil things such as holding grudges for months and not forgiving him. And I said evil things, such as, Greg, you will never change, and I've totally given up on our marriage. Horrible things that I did and said that deeply wounded him and probably killed parts of his soul. To covet means to want what other people have 
And I compared Greg to everybody else and wanted what they had. Basically, I wanted Greg to change. So I asked God. For years, I prayed, God, please change Greg. I wanted him to be more supportive and understanding of me emotionally, and I wanted a partner to do ministry with. But I didn't get what I wanted because I just wanted him to change for me. It was my selfish ambition. I saw Greg as the obstacle to my dreams for a happy marriage, and I saw and treated Greg as the enemy. James tells us in verse 315 that we just looked at that that kind of thinking that I had that kind of thinking does not come down from heaven, which means it doesn't come from God. But it is actually earthly, unspiritual, demonic. In other words, that self-centered thinking that I had was from the world, focused on the here and now, and is actually from the devil himself. The evil inside our arguments is when we buy into the devil's lies that we're the most important person in this relationship and the partner, your spouse, is the one who's getting in the way of your happiness. And most likely, both partners in the marriage by that time are seeing the other person as the enemy. And both of them are fighting against each other. But today, I want to introduce you to the real enemy of our marriages. And I want you to see the real battle that is going on behind the scene. The Apostle Paul understood how dangerous it was for new believers, and in fact, for all believers. And so when he wrote to the Ephesian church, he ended his book with a battle plan. Let's read together in Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 12. Paul said, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The real enemy, my friends, is a spiritual being who is bent on doing evil in your life. The Bible calls him the devil, or diabolos, as Paul does here in the Greek, and the Bible calls him Satan, which is the same word in the Hebrew, both words mean false accuser or slanderer, and both of them convey this idea of an opponent or an adversary in a court of law. We don't have time today to go into much detail, but here is a short biography of our enemy, Satan. He is an angel, which is a spiritual being or a spirit being, who is created by God. So he is a creature created by God to serve God. 
Satan was one of the highest ranking angels. He was full of power and beauty. In fact, in Ezekiel 28, verse 12, we read that Satan was full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. And probably because of his wisdom and beauty, he became proud and he became envious of God and he had self-ambition and he wanted to be number one. He wanted everyone in all of creation to worship him and not God. So Satan rebelled against God and he convinced one-third of all the angels to follow him. A huge battle ensued in heaven against the angels, against the, uh, Satan's angels. And Satan was defeated. In Revelation 12, verse 9, we read that the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. My friends, your enemy is first and foremost the enemy of God. And now that you are a child of God, a follower of Jesus Christ and belong to God, Satan is also your enemy. And he is out to destroy you and your marriage. In the middle of a destructive fight, you can't see him with your eyes, but you can hear him in your mind. John 8, 44, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, and he said this of them. And then he, Jesus called the devil a liar and the father of lies, and he was saying that the Pharisees were doing the same things. As the father of lies, Satan and his demons will attack you in your mind, in your thinking. They will come against you with lies. In the middle of a fight, they will remind you that, hey, you're the one who's suffering the most in this relationship. They will accuse your spouse of being unloving and undeserving of you. And they will try to get you to question God's goodness and his ability to help you. If you believe those lies, intense emotions and then wicked actions are sure to follow, and the battle will be lost to Satan. So what can you do in this spiritual battle? What can you do? The Bible tells us what to do. First, you need to know that the devil is the real enemy, the enemy of you, your spouse, and your marriage. Your spouse is not the enemy. You have a real enemy, and you need to know that it's the devil. Second, you need to be on the alert for his attack on your mind. We need to take heart the warning from the Apostle Peter, who wrote in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, not to chase, not to play with, but to devour. 
We need to be vigilant. We need to keep watch. That's the alert part. And we need to think clearly and rightly. That's the sober of mind part. Peter then goes on to tell us in verse 9, resist him, the devil, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. So the third thing we need to do is resist the devil, standing firmly in your faith in Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. We need to resist the devil, standing firmly in our faith in Jesus Christ. So that's what Peter said. And in our passage in James, he says a similar thing. In James 4, verse 7, he says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So instead of believing the wisdom of the world, which is from the devil, and which results in fighting and trying to get what you want, James says, you need to turn to God and submit to him. What does submitting to God look like? It means following his wisdom. And James tells us that the wisdom that comes from God is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Let me say that again. This is from James 3, verse 17. The wisdom that comes from God is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. When we believe this freedom or this wisdom that comes from God, we are resisting and standing against the devil's lies, and we are refusing to believe his wisdom. So in the middle of a heated argument, when you refuse to consider only your needs, when you reject the thought that your partner is out to get you, but instead you are considerate, submissive, merciful, when you do that, Satan has nothing left to do but to run off in frustrated defeat. Isn't that what you want? Both James and Peter tell us that we cannot simply ignore the devil, nor should we go looking for him and try to attack him. Instead, what we need to do is to stand firmly against him when he attacks. Back to the Ephesians passage we read er that we read earlier, Paul tells us that in the middle of the spiritual battle, we need to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That means we don't have to depend on our own strength and our own power. But we do have to put on the full armor of God, which are the spiritual protection for our faith. 
The armor is needed, Paul tells us, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes and so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. The word translated as stand against here in Ephesians is the same word as James and Peter used in saying resist the devil. So we need to resist, stand against the devil. Fourth and finally, we need to pray. We need to pray for our spouses. Peter makes the point that the whole family of believers everywhere around the world are under that same attack. That means your spouse is under attack. And because of these spiritual attacks, Paul here tells us in Ephesians 6, verse 18, he says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, with this spiritual battle in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. When you are hurt or angry with your spouse, you must remember that he or she is also a target of the enemy and that he or she is probably greatly under attack. And you need to know that the two of you have a common enemy. You need to recognize the tactics of the devil. And you need to be moved with compassion for your spouse. And when it, in those moments, what he or she needs the most from you is your prayers that their faith would remain strong and that they would not fail under the devil's attacks. Your spouse needs you to be on his or her side. Your spouse needs you on your knees fighting for them. When Greg and I heard the call to plant River Life Church three and a half years ago, our marriage was probably at its strongest and its healthiest. We were deeply connected to God, and we had grown deeply connected to each other. But three and a half years later, we found ourselves feeling confused, emotionally distant from each other, and each of us hurting in our own corner. I had become more critical of Greg. He had become less patient and curt with me. I felt neglected and unappreciated. He felt judged and pressured to perform, and an old thought popped into my head. Why can't Greg change? That should have been my warning bell. But instead of refuting that lie, I clung onto it, and I nurtured it, and it festered. And soon my behaviors became more cold and punitive toward him. I hadn't done that to him in years. We had become so focused on the church, on our daily tasks that needed to get done, even on loving and supporting people, that we had become lax. And we were not vigilant in our marriage. We were unprepared for the attack from the enemy. When it came, 
I did not even resist, nor did I submit to God's will for me to be led by God's wisdom instead of my selfish ambition. My only thought at that time was about me. Therefore, the devil's able to bruise and batter us for a while. But just this January, the North Central District, to which our church belongs, had their annual pastors, wife, pastors and wives retreat. It was there that Greg and I had the opportunity to really talk. We confessed to one another. We forgave one another. We reconciled and took back the ground in our marriage that was lost during that time of giving in to the devil's lies. Praise God for his mighty power that overcomes the devil's evil schemes against us. You and I don't have to live in defeat. You and I do not have to live in defeat. Your marriage doesn't have to suffer or be destroyed. Wake up and see the evil in your hurtful arguments. We need to know that the devil is the real enemy. Be on the alert for the devil's attack on your mind. Resist the devil, standing firm in your faith, and pray for your spouse. I believe in the power of our resurrected Jesus Christ. He has already won the war, but we still have battles to fight, and we don't have to do it alone. He has promised us victory, but we must stand, we must resist, and we must battle. We must battle the lies with the truth of God. So I, I bless you with these words, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will open your eyes to see spiritually what is happening in your marriage. Let's close in prayer. God, you already have the victory. Jesus, all power, honor, and glory belongs to you. And you give us that power. So we do not need to be afraid of the enemy, the devil. He who comes to take away the truth that you have planted in us. Lord, Help us to remember to stand against the devil's lies. Holy Spirit, remind us of the truth of who Jesus is, who we are as children of God, and who our spouse, our children, our friends, our parents, help us to remember who they are. Lord, give us victory in these battles against the enemy. We give you the honor and the glory, and we surrender ourselves our marriages, our relationships, our church. To you, Jesus, to you belongs the glory, the victory, and the honor. Amen.